0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. There's some excitement going on around here. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 12. Book of Acts, chapter 12. Easter. Anybody know what the Greek word for Easter means? Passover. Very good. Somebody's doing some studying. Acts chapter twelve. I'm gonna read verse four and I'll give you a chance to turn to first Peter chapter three. I'll just give you a chance to get your thumb there. It's good to see everybody. I don't this is a you ought to see it's different when you're up here and you see this crowd. What a beautiful crowd. It's good to see everybody. It's good to see friends, family. Yeah. Yeah, that means I can't I can't dial this one in. Acts chapter twelve, verse four. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now turn with me to first Peter chapter three. We're going to begin at verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Verse 19 says, By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient. Once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water the like figure whereunto even baptism doth no also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, this is the time of year that we speak of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but let's understand something before we go any further. <clears throat> he is the resurrection. Yes. It's just not that He was resurrected He is the resurrection. My goodness, when Jesus dwells in you, He quickens you. That word quickens means brings you to life. He is the resurrection. And so consider yourself today resurrected. Before we go any further, consider yourself resurrected. In Acts chapter 12, King Herod was waging war against the church. He was eager to do do away with this new movement. He wanted to get it out of the way. So he killed James. James was the brother of John. And uh, when he saw that the Jews were pleased with that activity, he snatched Peter up and he put Peter in prison. And so that was the, 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 the first set of scriptures that we read. Easter or Passover was at hand, so Herod was anticipating its completion so that he could then bring Peter uh, before the Jews. See, Pil- Peter was guilty of preaching the Passover, but he preached it a little differently. Easter, the new Passover, is what Peter was preaching. He was preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the new Passover, the New Easter. It was a new beginning. New beginnings. Don't you love new beginnings? Yeah. <laughs> new beginnings brings change, right? Yeah. So some of us maybe it doesn't. That's called repeat, by the way. God wants you to move into new beginnings every day. He doesn't want us to be in repeat. Now, there are things that we do repeat, but our lives should be in new beginnings every day. When Adam fell in the garden, that that began a new relationship with God. Even at his fall, Adam now has a new relationship with God. The old old relationship has changed. There's, There's no more walks with God in the cool of the evening. Adam has a new relationship. There's no more provisions of the Garden of Eden. Adam has a new relationship with God. There's no more dominion as God's image in this earth. Adam now has a new relationship with God. In that situation, sin increased at a very rapid pace. Within seven generations from Adam, the whole of man, the heart of man, the mind of man was on evil continually. I want to talk to you about the Passover, the pass through, and the pass under. The Passover, the pass through, and the pass under. Noah was the man that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. At God's instruction, Noah builds an ark, 112 long years of building a ship that would house his family and the animals that came two by two, and then those of the sacrifice. So he built this ark, and seven other family members with him along would rise above the floodwaters that would consume the earth. We read in 1 Peter chapter 3 that it wasn't actually the ark that saved Noah. That's a Sunday school story, and it's a great story, but the Bible doesn't say it was the ark that saved Noah. It says that Noah and his eight were saved by water, not the ark. Water that washed away the sin that contaminated the creation of God. Understand it was God's intent because of the evil that was there his intent was to wash away the sin, and so that's why he had them rise above God took them above the water, saved from certain death. God took Noah above the water. Joseph endured a lot of suffering and many challenges in, in his situation to eventually become you know he was sold into slavery and then he was he was wrongfully accused and thrown into prison and all those things and he suffered a lot of challenges. But he eventually would become the second in charge, in power, in dominion over all of Egypt, only to Pharaoh. Now, the, the region was to suffer this great famine. But thanks to Joseph and his, and his revelation from God, Egypt stored up enough provision to be, rise above the famine, to, to be above all of the things that would happen. And because of Joseph's abilities and capabilities... The Pharaoh go, gave Joseph and his family this little plot of land called Goshen. And he said, you and your family can stay there in Goshen. And there you can, you can uh, rise above. Matter of fact, not only would they survive this, this famine, they would rise above this famine. They would actually thrive in this famine. And during the famine, they would grow as a great nation. So his family grew into a mighty number so much so that when the next pharaoh came the old pharaoh died that had given Joseph and the family that that area the next pharaoh came along and he he saw the number and the power that was in the people that were in Goshen and so he became fearful that they would overthrow Egypt and his his authority and his power and so they they were put into slavery his his best way to and you know <clears throat> That's the way the enemy is. If if he just becomes afraid of you, be ready. He wants to throw you into slavery. He wants to enslave you to something. You know, some of us came from an arena not like others of us here. And some of us were enslaved in our lives to things. It wasn't necessarily a man or a kingdom, but we were enslaved to drugs or alcohol or thievery. We were enslaved to world issues and all those things. That was the slavery pinned into our lives. And so that's what he did. And so many of, of the family of Joseph had fallen during this time of great abundance, had fallen into the adulterous ways of Egypt. It wasn't just that the enemy of of the people of Goshen saw that they were powerful, but they had leaned themselves towards their enemy. And because of that, and because they had taken these adulterous ways, they fell away from God. So for 430 years, they suffered slavery. Now, America is how old? Twice the years we've been a country, Israel was in slavery. Just let that, let that sink in a little bit. Then came a man named Moses. Then came a man named Moses. Once they were freed and on their way, once Moses showed up and all of the plagues happened and Pharaoh released Egypt, they're on their way. And what do they do? They encounter the Red Sea. Looking back, they see the armies of Pharaoh had come to their senses and realized, hey, all of our slaves are gone. we got to work now. So they came after their slaves. And so there was their slaves, the Jews, with them at their back and the sea at their front. So Moses just stretched forth his hand with his rod. And what happened? We know the story. The Red Sea was parted, and they crossed through on dry land. Noah crossed over in a ship. Moses crossed through on foot in dry land. Saved from certain death, God took Moses through the water. Centuries later, Jesus hangs on a cross on Calvary's hill outside of Jerusalem. Understand something about the principal time. Rome ruled the world. And because of that, there were many places in the Roman Empire where there were problems. One of those places was in Israel, Jerusalem, in that arena. You see, they were constantly quelling up issues and and fighting against Rome, and there was constant problems. And so what Rome had to do was they had to send men from Rome, soldiers, that had to leave their family, they had to leave their wife, their children, their entire family and sail across and go to Jerusalem, and there they had to guard these group of Jews to try to squelch them from giving so many problems to Rome and creating so many issues to Rome. So, what did this do to these soldiers? These soldiers were very angry. They left their families behind. These soldiers were they. They had, there was hatred. They hated these Jews. When you when you look into the history and you look into the scripture, you see how that the Roman soldiers did everything they could. Uh, to be mean and ugly and hateful and whatever they could to the Jews. Why was that? Was it just because? No, they had left their families behind. So here they were. When Rome celebrated its holidays, these soldiers were stuck in Jerusalem watching over a bunch of Jews to try to keep them from creating issues and problems. So you understand that when Jesus came on the scene, it was their opportunity. It was their opportunity to show just how mad and angry they were. To sh- just show how they felt because they, if, if you guys would just quieten it down, we could go home. But you, you keep coiling up and you keep stirring up and you keep. So here's Jesus. He, 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 he is put on display. The Roman guards, they, they beat Jesus. They, they batter him. They, they whip him. Uh, he's scourged and he's, he's now suffering the cruelest, most agonizing death the Romans could come up with. Jesus is left alone. He's abandoned. No one's there to defend him. He's all by himself. And so here he is. <clears throat> Let me say something. I don't want to offend anybody here today because r- deeply rooted in uh, Christian society is the cross. It's deeply rooted. It's the cross. We understood what, and we understand today what happened on the cross. But understand this the cross was a Roman venture. It was the Roman... This is the best thing they could think of to be cruel and and humiliating and agonizing to the Jews. Put them on a cross. Strip them of all their clothes. Put them on display. Don't kill them right off. Let's beat them. Let's scourge them. Let's whip them. Let's defame them in front of their people. You know what this did to the people, right? Put them in their place. You understand what the crucifixion was about. And so... This was the most horrible way, and so a lot of times we we glorify the cross and say, don't get offended, let me finish if if quartering a human being slowly in that day and then sending his quarters off while he bled to death somewhere else was the most cruel that's what we would be celebrating the quartering of Jesus today, not not the cross of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying it's not the cross that we should glorify it's what happened on the cross that we should glorify, it's what happened on that cruel place that we should glorify in God. That 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 one, that precious one, that sinless one, that sacrifice for all of our sins. We were talking earlier today, and uh, can you imagine when Jesus was in the garden? He, he you know he made a statement that people question in various ways. When he's praying, he said, "Lord, let this cup pass from me," and a lot of people deem that the cross. But Jesus knew the cross was coming. He knew his purpose and intent. For this cause was I born into. He knew that purpose. That wasn't it. That wasn't the cup he was talking about. The cup he was talking about was he was about to encounter and experience the sewage of billions of people's sins. You know how you feel bad sometimes when you did something wrong, you know, you shouldn't have done it, and you're afraid you might get caught, and so that's, now you're worried about that, and you're afraid, you know, this is going to, and I said that, and I shouldn't have said that, because now I'm gonna, and you get all this worry. Well, that's part of it. But can you imagine, it's hard to imagine, that on Jesus that day, on that cross, was poured the sewage, and that's what it is, of the sins of billions of people. You see, there's 8.2 billion people in the world now. So if all of us sinned one time today, that's 8.2 billion sins, right, for today. How old are you? I'm 63. Can you imagine what the thousands of years of the billions and, and trillions and quadrillions of sin was poured out? Jesus was saying, because if, if, he knew for the first time he was not going to be encountering the father in his life because that sin and that sewage was on him god can't fellowship with that god can't fellowship with sin the scripture says and so because of that the man christ jesus knew you know what the cross i know i'm the bible says that for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him he endured the, the joy was knowing that you and i are here today that's the joy. That's what Resurrection Sunday is about. But but you know what? The joy wasn't taking the sewage of our sin and putting it into his life. It's totally separated from God. Totally separated. Being demeaned and embarrassed. Be, be, being left alone, being abandoned. And again, I I don't want to reduce what Calvary's about. Don't I know this might offend you, but please don't be offended. But understand. Over the course of my years, I've seen more of the glorification of the cross than I have of Jesus Christ. And in many places, I see Jesus still hanging on the cross. And understand, he's not on the cross. They pulled him down from the cross. And understand that when they pulled him down from the cross, he was dead. He had been the perfect sacrifice for all of us. But understand that not only that, his clo- he was wrapped in clothes and they began to treat him, and he, he didn't even have a place to be buried. Joseph of Arimathea gave his own... And listen, this is important. Because every Jew had their specific tomb that they had for their burial. Because they were going to be buried in the land of their fathers. And that's very important to a Jew. To be buried in the land. And so he gives over this tomb. But understand, and we know this, that Jesus just laid in the tomb, his body in the tomb, for three days. And we know the Scripture tells us that while he laid in the tomb... Jesus, the man. You understand your body's not you, right? Let me clar- clarify something here. Your body is not you. That's that is your housing. The you is the soul, the spirit, the person that's inside. It's your intellect, your ability to choose right and wrong. That's the. You, th- this is all going to change. You know what's going to change when you die, right? No, your body changes after you die. I'm sorry to tell you that. If you've ever seen a body exhumed after they've been dead for several years, you'll understand what I'm saying. If not, go look it up on the. Internet, I, I don't want to describe it. But understand this. The Bible says Jesus went into hell and preached to those captive souls, those people that through the centuries had lived for God in their, in their dispensation of time that were waiting on the promise and hope, not yet, not yet enjoying it in their life. And, but after that third day, what happened? It's what we celebrate right now. It's what we celebrate right now, the resurrection. It it was the cross, but it wasn't the cross. It was the resurrection of one. He is the resurrection. I'm going to ask you a question before I go on here, and I'm about through. Do you have a hope, hope, not a faith? Faith and hope aren't the same word. Do you have a hope of the resurrection? You can lose faith. You can lose faith and return. The Bible says when we lose hope, when you lose hope, do you have a hope of the resurrection? Yeah, I said earlier today, part of you's already been resurrected, and our hope is that the second part of us meets the first part of us, and we're resurrected together. Now, let me tie all this together. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 6. Know ye not that so many of, of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized unto His death? Now, I'm not going to give you a lesson on baptism. That's not what this is about. But understand something about baptism. There's a reason that we baptize. Verse 4, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up, you've got to be buried to be raised. You've got to be buried to be raised. Jesus was buried so that he could be raised. And so, verse 4, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in the newness of life. Boy, I can't wait to get to heaven. It's not talking about heaven. It's not talk- There's a resurrection in your life today that brings you into a newness of life, a new life in Jesus Christ. For if we had been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. There's a reason. There's, there's different. I'm not going to do a baptism deal, but understand part of baptism is being buried with him into his death. So that like him, when he rose out, we can, and that's the hope of our resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Our old man is crucified with him. Part of baptism is that you're taking up your cross. You're crucified with him. That that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. Verse 7. For he that is dead is free from sin. That doesn't mean go out and commit suicide so you can be free from sin. That means that he that is dead, is buried, is free from sin. Well, Pastor Don, I still have sin in my life. So do I. That doesn't mean it has me though. I'm, I'm still free. My Bible tells me in 1 John one and nine that if I confess to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all righteousness. I'm free from it. Doesn't mean I'm I'm not I'm free from not doing it, but I'm free from it. Verse twenty three for the of that same chapter for the wages. What are wages? Yeah, y'all. Anybody here have a job? <laughs> All right, you work 40 hours. You get 40 hours worth of wages. What is the wages? It's the payment for what? What What you did. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Peter says baptism is that figure that when Noah and his family were saved by water, and I understand this. All humanity, there is certain death that's impending. You understand, many people don't really think about their spiritual death. Do you all know anybody, not the church, do you know any uh, funeral home that has a plan for your spiritual life or death? they got some pretty good ones for your physical death. But do you know of any funeral homes that have a plan? You see, we don't think about that too often. Because we don't like to think about the physical, but we don't really think about the spiritual at all. But you know what? There's a plan for your spiritual death. It's called the resurrection. And what is the resurrection? Our death and burial, the death, burial, and resurrection all takes place in our life right here. Our death, burial, and resurrection, it all takes place. it's all part of the, what God does in our lives. But how often do we really think about it? How, is Jesus' resurrection just the hope that one day we'll make it to heaven? I'm not, don't raise your hand. I'm almost done. <clears throat> Are you in this to go to heaven? Don't raise your hand. You're going to be embarrassed if you do. Are you in this to go to heaven? Because there's no Bible for that. There's no Bible for being in the kingdom to go to heaven. You get in the kingdom of God so that you fulfill the things of God. You fulfill the works of Jesus Christ. You continue His work. But you know what happens when you come into the kingdom and you fulfill the works of God and you continue the works of Jesus Christ? Do you know what the end result is? Ah, heaven then shows up. See, we're not. We we got a misconception in the Western Westernized church. We've talked about this a hundred times. There's a misconception in the Westernized Christian church, is that we come to church and we want to be in the kingdom so we can go to heaven, and we miss the whole point and purpose of the resurrection. The reason Jesus resurrects you now in spirit is for you to perform His will in this earth. The reason He resurrects your body later is so that you can be with Him forever. But we're resurrected now. That's what Jesus said. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, the life. Paul wrote to the Philippian church in chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him. That I may know him. The Greek word there, know, is the same word. If Adam knew his wife Eve and they conceived a child, it's the same word that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So we understand, again, I, I know some of you think, man, he's giving a baptismal well, lesson. I understand what this resurrection thing is really about. Baptism, is just that's not just a symbol. I grew up in a church. They said, well, this is just a symbol of his death. It's more than a symbol. You're buried with him in baptism and you you are part of his death when you do that. Mark sixteen, sixteen. Well, you know, where I came from, we believe that here's the right, the main reason we believe you had to be baptized was so you could have a vote in the church. If we were gonna yeah, if we were gonna buy a new truck for the or car for the pastor, well let's vote on it. So if I've been baptized here, I can vote on that. Uh, you hadn't been baptized. You can't vote on that. That's why we you, you see how ridiculous we get? You see how ridiculous we've become in the westernized church of Christianity? And so we have to, we have to re, re-energize ourselves with the understanding of what Resurrection Sunday. Listen, we, we call this Resurrection Sunday, but let's, let's talk about what Austin said right quick. It ought to be Resurrection Monday, Tuesday, Resurrection Wednesday, Resurrection Thursday, Resurrection Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Every day is Resurrection Day. If it's not, we're going the wrong direction. Resurrection Sunday, Mark sixteen and sixteen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Again, I'm talking about the power of the resurrection. We we come into fellowship with God through the name of Jesus Christ, through what Jesus did on the cross. That's how we. It wasn't the cross. This won't bring you into fellowship with God right here. See that right there. That will not bring you into fellowship with God. But what will bring you fellowship is Jesus Christ. That brings you into fellowship. Jesus, just as he was the resurrection, our spirits are resurrected. We're we're new creatures. We're born again. We're alive. We're new. You know, the worst thing for us to meet is the upside-down Christian. You know what that is? You have to turn them upside down on their head to see a smile. That's the worst Christians to meet. They're they're mad at the world. And they won't say it, but they're mad at God. You know, they won't say it. Because they're afraid God will strike them, they'll bust hell wide open, that deal. They're they're afraid of that. Man, there's no resurrection in a life that walks around with an upside-down smile. There's no resurrection. Because if you were truly resurrected, anybody here ever been raised from the dead? Just turn around and look. There's somebody here that has. Right there in the back. We were all, yeah, yeah, we know. We've been and part of what's going on here. I can't ask Bishop what it's like to what what, what happened what, explain to me what happened after you left and you were gone because uh, he doesn't But you know what I know he's happy about? That he's been resurrected. He's back. That's what resurrection brings into your life spiritually. You ought to be happy about Resurrection Sunday, not because of the cross, not because of Easter eggs, not because of a nice bonnet, not because of bunnies, not because of any of those things, but you have been resurrected into life. Resurrected. The last plague God brought to Egypt in the day of Moses was death. Death, the last plague. It would be the one that would be very convincing, death. Look, like some of y'all, let me stop for a second. Listen, that's a baby. That's a child. We're not embarrassing anybody here. That's okay. If we don't have this in our church, it's perfect. okay. If we don't have this in our church, we got a problem. Matter of fact, here's what Jesus said. When the children came up to Jesus, the disciples, his own disciples said, hey, you need to send them away. Get them out. Go take them to the nursery. Go, go, go. Send them over there to their parents. Go take them away. And Jesus said, stop, 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 stop. Come here, kids. Come here, everybody. Come sit in my lap. And, oh, by the way, disciples, why don't you go put a rope around your neck and put a big rock on it, throw yourself in the sea, because you'd be better off. You'd be better off doing that than doing what you're doing now, offending the little children. You uh, know, I'm going to say this. Bishop loves me, so he'll, he'll, one day the kid's running by after church, and I just kind of goosed them on. And Bishop came and said, you realize you're hanging that activity on? <laughs> <laughs> and I was—I'll be real honest, yeah. And, and I understand we're not supposed to be doing that. There's just something in me, and I don't know what it is, that I love to see little children do whatever they do. If they're laughing, crying, jumping, running, and I know that's a problem I have. It's not that I—I'm not telling all the kids to get up and run around right now, don't. But understand this: listen, we can't. You, this is all what the kingdom is about. So don't you guys so God instructs us, he instructs his people to put blood over the doorpost of the mantle so that when the angel of death came by, if there's blood, then the angel of death passes by and the firstborn will not die. So that became known as that became known as Passover. The angel of death passed over. All of us, you understand. Jesse, you glad I'm done, aren't you? (laughs) As death passes over us, and it does, the blood of Jesus in our life applies life to us. Just as the Passover Easter, that, that was their... You know, Easter's not... That was their Easter, the Passover of the angel. That was Israel's Easter. Our Easter is about the same thing as that angel of death passes by with the blood applied to us. We have the hope of life and eternal life. Death just simply passes on by. The beautiful thing about baptism is this. Noah passed over. Moses passed through, but in baptism, we pass under. We pass under because we're buried with Him in baptism to bring that relationship into our lives with Jesus Christ. So today we're celebrating something. Stand with me if you would. We're celebrating something today. Don't y'all love to celebrate? Oh, man, I watched those guys last night when that shot went in. Those guys were celebrating. 90 to 90, the last few seconds in the first overtime, and this guy gets the ball with three seconds left, and he goes to about midcourt, a little passes. He throws a shot up. You know what all of us think. <laughs> Another overtime. Oh, but no. Bam. The shot went in. The team wins. The celebra What the guy that shot it ran. Man, I maybe I need to back up here. The guy that shot it ran and jumped up on the table where the announcers were. The guy that made the shot, he ran and jumped up on the table where the announcers were, and all of his teammates were coming around him. They were trying to get him off the table to hug him. They were They were celebrating. Celebrating. Today, most people are going to celebrate the resurrection with an Easter egg. Today, most people in Christianity are going to celebrate the resurrection with candy. Y'all think I'm an ogre because I'm... Today, most people are going to celebrate Easter with a bunny. Don't buy your kids a bunny, by the way. You're going to regret it. Today, we're celebrating the resurrection for the wrong reasons. If we can go back, and you understand what all of those are about. The, the, those those symbols of what we call Easter are nothing more than the symbols of a paganistic thought process it has to do with fertility it has nothing to do with resurrection so i'm not telling you you're wrong if you're doing it that's between you and god you you talk to god about it if you do that with your kids and you that, that that's your business you don't get mad at pastor don i just want you to be informed about what it is about that's not today's celebration. Today's celebration is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us the hope of a resurrection that we're resurrected partially now. One day, one day, one day, that resurrection, and I'm gonna, I'll end with this. There's a resurrection of the saints at the end That's the place you want to be, by the way. But there's another resurrection. At the very end of time, when this is all said and done, and God stops the clock, time is no more, there's going to be another resurrection. There won't be a resurrection of the saints. It'll be a resurrection of the dead. Those that remain dead and weren't resurrected in their life by the the ability to be born again, and they'll have to stand before God at a thing called the white throne judgment. And there, at that resurrection, their resurrection, the account of their life will be given to them. They won't have to explain anything. <clears throat> when you're at that judgment, you won't, you won't have to say a word. Every single thing about your life is recorded. Guess where it's recorded? God has a book. Not in that book. Guess where it's recorded? God, God has a computer and He's watching everything. All the guess where it's recorded. You'll stand before God, and like a massive computer, everything. There won't be anybody standing. Say, God, you cheat, you cheated me. God, that, that's wrong. You, you gave them more favor. I didn't do that, God. Oh, well, that you, we'll let your mind do that. We'll let you take... We'll just let your, you reveal yourself at the white throne judgment. The sad thing is there'll be no hope. No no more resurrection. No more life. Just eternal, eternal damnation. Not meant to scare you. But you know what? Most, most people... And there's Scripture for this. My people perish for a lack of. My people perish for a lack of. And a lot of times we don't know things that we should know, and we perish because of it. So this pastor is not going to try to hold anything back from you. You may not agree with me. You may not like it. And, and, and listen, I get to hear this twice because I'm the one that. And some things God tells me I don't like. <laughs> That's right. As a pastor, there's some things God tells me that I don't like but then the spirit takes over. The resurrected spirit takes over and says ah, ah, but the hope of the resurrection, you know what, that takes care of my don't like. Takes care of my don't like. So today we're just here to celebrate the resurrection. To celebrate, going back to celebration and we're gonna do it. Celebrate the resurrection. How, How do you celebrate? Yeah, Depends on what it is, right? You celebrate a birthday with your kids differently than you celebrate an anniversary with your spouse, right? Please tell me yes. It's different. And you celebrate uh, things, times in your life where certain things happen. We celebrate that, right? But we celebrate everything a little differently. The greatest celebration we'll ever have is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because without that, without that, without that. Lord Jesus, we stand here today, Lord. We understand that what you did on the cross and out of that tomb and back into heaven gives us the same hope that we too Though we were dead in trespasses and sin, you've raised to walk, for us to walk in that newness of life. We have been resurrected by the power of what you did, that precious blood. We, we can't fathom, Lord, what you took on in our sin, the sewage of our sin. We can't fathom that. We do know this, Lord, your word says that one precious drop of your blood. One drop covered the multitude, the billions and quadrillions of sins that have ever, that precious blood. So today we're so thankful that not only did you die for us, but we're thankful that you're alive for us. God, I pray right now that each person that's in this building, that their life will change today, that they'll recognize that you're the God of the living and that that's where they'll want to be. We have victory over death, victory over hell, and victory over the grave because of you. And so, God, we celebrate that victory today. We celebrate it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.